a lot of people who are very ambitious always say, hey, we will have fun later on when we achieve X, when we achieve Y, when we achieve whatever, That right? That time will never come. You will never achieve because there will always be something else. There will always be something else you want, right? And it may not be in your career. There will always be something else. So like the journey is what you need to enjoy. It is something I'm still trying to teach myself. Welcome to Arda Spotlight. Live long and prosper. I'm Cesar Sengupta, your host and the co-founder and CEO of Arda Finance. In this podcast series, we don't just scratch the surface. We delve deep into the mindsets of some of the most successful founders, entrepreneurs, and investors out there. We dissect the pivotal choices that have set the trajectory of their extraordinary lives. We get into the nuts and bolts of how financial strategy and financial thinking can serve a purpose-driven life. So if you're looking for insights that are as intellectual as they're actionable, you're in the right place. The topics covered in this podcast are conversational and for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to serve as investment advice and is not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any particular security or investment. All opinions expressed by Arda employees and third parties are not necessarily those of Arda Finance. I'm thrilled to welcome a distinguished guest whose career spans some of the most innovative companies in the tech world, Dia Jolly. Dia is the Chief Product Officer of Zero, an online account software designed to help small businesses, accountants, and bookkeepers grow their business and manage their finances. Before Zero, Dia was Okta's Chief Product Officer, steering the company's product roadmap and pioneering new innovations. She has a rich history at Google, where she served over seven years in leadership roles. As the Vice President of Product Management, she was a key player in shaping YouTube's monetization strategies and later took the reins for Google Assistant and Google Home, pushing the boundaries of what's possible at tech. Dia is on the board of directors for Service Titan and is an advisor to Amplitude. With a career marked by innovation and leadership, she's here to share her journey with us, along with all the pivotal decision points along the way. Let's get started. Dia, thank you so much for joining us on Live Long and Prosper. It's really wonderful to see you again and for having you on the podcast. It's great to be here, Caesar, and thanks for having me, and it's great to see you as well. Fantastic. So let me start with a couple of pivotal moments in your life, career moments where, you know, you made a major change. And first, like, let's, you know, if you can describe that moment and then what led to the thinking and how did you make the decision to make that career change? So I think when, I think the most pivotal thing is when I was, and, and this continued a couple of times, so it's not one instance, but when I decided I want to do engineering slash build stuff, slash product management, I grew up in, let's say, a more traditional, smaller town, used to be more traditional and smaller. And the general wisdom was like, hey, what are you going to do in engineering? You should like go to another, like you should go do something else. And why engineering? It's so hard, et cetera. Like from, from my dad's family, my dad was like, oh, go become an accountant, et cetera. And I'm like, no, I want to build stuff. And I want to build stuff because I like, and this is where the writing part comes in, which is I like the combination of logic and creativity, right? And there are very few things that give you both the left brain, right brain. And so I was like, no, I want to do this. And I persisted despite almost everybody else telling me that I don't want to do it. And it happened again when I graduated from my, or when I was looking for a job after McKinsey, my husband was like, eh, product management, no, you should do marketing. And I'm like, no, I, I want to build stuff. 
And so I do think that is where I do really well. Like, I think that is like what gives me joy. And it was, and, and I found, I, I listened to my internal compass and found the right path. So I think that is, that was one, that series of decision-making was one very pivotal point because over time it proved to be correct. It could have been a complete disaster. No, it's clearly worked out very well. Yeah, but people who know me really well and were close to me were like, why? This is not you, right? No, I mean, this. I'm going to make a joke. Finally, in your life, you're doing what your father wanted to do at the start, become an accountant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but on that addition, like, how did you know that what you like is this combination of creating and logic? Like, how do you recognize that about yourself? So look, my dad was an engineer. My dad had his own business. He built biomedical electronic equipment. So he made like lung respirators, EEGs, ECGs. That was his business. And I kind of grew up in the backdrop of that, like hearing him, et cetera. And so I would hear him go on the whiteboard and like draw out product plans with his engineers and stuff. So that's one. I think the other thing is I did think I wanted to be a writer and I started trying to write. And then I felt it was like I was missing the logical aspect. So to me, I also started, I, I, I also started like enjoying coding a little bit and trying to see things come to life. So I think it was, it was gut, but it was what was more interesting to me. To be, to be really honest, Caesar, I was like, I'm doing undergrad. If I decide I don't like it, I'll change it. Like, why is this so complicated? Like, uh, it's not complicated. You can, and, and, and then, then there was this thing about, I believe you can learn anything you want to learn. Right. So I don't, I don't believe I, inherently do not outside of athletics i do not believe in, in in skills and capabilities i'm like whatever you want to train for you can train your brain for oh, that's very interesting i think particularly the combination of you tried out a bunch of different things you made it lower low stakes in some ways right because you know you'll often meet people i just had a conversation with someone who's like trying to plan the next 30 years of their life and i'm like you know what's the point of doing something that long you tried it out you're like you could change any time and then you know, the fundamental beliefs that you can learn. Super interesting. Yeah, to me, it's like experiences. The more ex different experiences you can collect in life, the better off you are. And you have had some pretty amazing experiences across Google, then Okta, then now Zero. How did those transitions go? How did you make that decision? I think going from Google to an excellent, but still a startup was a pretty big move. Yeah, I think actually when you talk about pivotal moments, Google was a very pivotal moment for me. I almost did not join. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I almost did not join. And that's where my husband was like, just join. What's, like, what's the harm? And to me, like, from the outset, it wasn't clear what I was doing. It was an area that I wasn't necessarily that passionate about, the area that I joined. And so there were a lot of like, I'm like, should I join a company just for the name brand if I'm not exactly sure about what I'm going to do there? And my husband's like, it's two years. How does it matter? Just do it. And I was like, yeah, this is two years. I'm going to leave. And then that became what, eight, nine years. Um, and it became an amazing, amazing journey. So where were you coming from? If you don't, if you don't mind talking a little bit about that. I was coming from a startup. So I had done Microsoft, I'd done McKinsey, Motorola, Microsoft. And then I'd gone to a 20 person startup where I had become the head of product. And that got like to tens of millions in revenue and sold to Comcast. So the question was, is it Google? Is it big? Is it small? What is it? And I was aiming for actually medium size. But it turned out to be the best, like, and you know this, like it turned the sponsorship I got, the friendships I made, the experience I had, I don't think I'd be who I am today without, like, I think a lot of us feel that way. 
But as you were thinking about it at that point in time, I mean, heard your, you know, your husband's advice, but I'm sure you'd have got like other types of advice. People saying, go back to another startup, you know how to do startups or go to some other larger company or, you know, something smaller. Like how did he sort of balance all of those different inputs? Funnily enough, when I have made career decisions, like job changes, I have not gotten in. Oh, that's interesting. Except my husband. Why is that? Mainly because it goes back to what you said about 30 years. I'm not trying to follow a career path. I am trying to do something that that works internally for me, where I can thrive. So it's, it's, it's super personal. I don't know how so- someone can give you a career path, but like nobody can tell you. You can be in, you can have two equally great jobs, but you can be miserable in one or like what looks externally great. You can be miserable in one and not thrive and you can, and you can thrive tremendously in another one. And it all comes down to factors that are important for you to thrive. So I've generally, generally I have not optimized for brand names or like external, like, I don't know how somebody can tell me what job will work for me. I, I just don't know how someone externally can tell me what job will work for me. I have to connect with my manager. I have to be passionate about the space. I have to have enough of a, I can do this, but it will grow me. How can somebody give me, how, how can somebody give me the guidance that doesn't know me? A lot of the things that you're talking about are things that you, you'd get once you've joined in the job. So how did you decide, like when you were before Google or say before Okta, like how do you make these decisions? You evaluate, right? You evaluate to the best of your abilities. You evaluate the people you work with. I mean, it's it's a two-way street. You talk to other people about them. You are very clear that you're willing to do the hard stuff, but you need to understand what the hard stuff is. And I always start with, look, this is a two-way street. It's like, I don't want to make the wrong call for you guys and you don't. And I do this with candidates as well. Like, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. And that's the only way we're going to come to a right decision because otherwise a year in, there's going to be a disaster. And I have always written on a very, very, very strong gut instinct. Like if my gut instinct doesn't line up, I generally know that it's going to be a disaster. And and this might seem counterintuitive, but I have never optimized for the comp, ever. Did you do anything to develop that gut instinct? Because often like, I'm trying to tease it apart for a lot of our listeners, like how did they build up, how did they become the and make the decisions like the uh, in their lives later? I think everybody has gut instincts, Caesar. I think just people don't listen. Like, you have to just listen carefully. One of the things I started doing, which may or may not be helpful, is I, I, I've always sat quietly and, like, let myself think and listen to my thinking. That is now translated into, like, true meditation, which is everybody in the Bay Area does it, but it, but it has. You just, to me, you just have to, like, you have to listen. The noise of the, the day, the noise of the of like other people's voices, the noise of your own, I should do this, but I should do this, and I'm trying to optimize this, ends up clouding all the judgment. But to me, like a few things matter. Like, do you click with the person you're working with, right? Are there like what they value both in like the way they work as well as the way they, as well as their personal values, is that really important? Like, does that jive with you? Can you have enough impact, right? Because otherwise you're not going to be successful. And then can you learn and grow? It's like the three things to optimize for. And obviously, are you interested in the space? That makes a lot of sense. Going back to something interesting you said, you that that meditation practice or, you know, before forcing yourself to sit down and think, was there a method or is this just something you 
did. Like you force yourself to like sort of take a day off and sit down by yourself or an hour day or something of that sort. It's not a day off. I'm an introvert. So I, I have to have like just downtime, my time when I'm not think like when I'm not doing anything every single day. So I do that at the end of the day normally anyway. When so I was at the crossroads for like, should I stay at Okta? Should I leave Okta? For how long should I stay, etc.? That's when I truly started, like, I was like, this is such a hard decision because Okta was doing well, right? Like, I joined at 375 million. We grew by leaps and bounds. And there was no real reason to leave, to be honest, right? It's just that I wanted something different. And that's when I truly got into, like, true meditation. But before that, it was just, like, sitting down and, like, just thinking. And, and this is what, like, my... My husband's, like my family and my husband's family make fun of me, but like for me, vacation is like quiet time, right? It, it's not like for a lot of people, it's like not quiet time for me. It's like, of course, do a bunch of stuff with family and stuff, but there's a bunch of quiet time in there that you don't get during the regular day. Yeah, I, I found like I started cycling during COVID because there was nothing else to do. And funnily enough, I've continued not for the exercise, but because it's one of those two or three hours where the reality is you can't do anything else. You're just cycling, right? Like, there's no phone, you can't like, and so I usually have some music playing and then I find like some of my best thinking happens during those two, three hours during the week. Exactly. You and I should go cycling together. I recently started also. Oh, uh, okay. We should do that. So yeah, if you were to go back and give yourself advice, say 10, 15 years back, what would you, what advice would you give yourself? What would you say, keep doing this or, you know, like, you're like, yeah, maybe these are things that I want you to think about in life. I didn't come up with this formula. It just, it came up through jobs that did not work, jobs that worked, like this whole formula of people impact and growth are the most important things to compromise for or, or, or most important things to adjust for and then everything else will fall into place. I think that is one advice I would have given myself earlier because I've gone into jobs like where I'm like, oh, I grow a lot or like, oh, this area is super exciting and those have generally never really worked out for me. So that's one advice. Like I probably could have skipped a couple of roles easily. And I would tell myself that the people are critical. Like I, I know we like have learned this over time, but like earlier in your career, you don't know that. I think the other thing I would tell myself is life is about experiences. The more diverse experiences you get. So so the one thing that I, I think really helps me today is just like the the in, in my job is like just the McKinsey to hardware and Motorola to Xbox and TV and Microsoft to like I, I've never gone to the same domain. I've never been a domain person. And big company, small company, Octa, you could say at 375 million was a medium-sized company, right? Experience different things because at some point it makes you at some point, because it does add value. It makes you stronger. It makes you like be able to problem solve better. It makes pattern recognition better. It makes you more valuable. I would also say a lot of people who are very ambitious always say, hey, we will have fun later on when we achieve X, when we achieve Y, when we achieve whatever, That right? That time will never come. You will never achieve because there will always be something else. There will always be something else you want, right? And it may not be in your career. There'll always be something else. So like the journey is what you need to enjoy is really what I would, is something I'm still trying to teach myself. 
And I don't think I enjoyed my journey a tremendous amount in the early years. It was all about like, what, how do I, what's next? Where do I want to grow next? Who do I like? So I, I don't think, I think that's what I would say. That's super, super insightful. And let me double click on that last point a little bit and talk about work-life balance. You know, I know you have a pretty intense life and you've had for as long as I've known you, right? And, and so how do you figure that out? How do you think about it? What would you, what do you do well? What do you not do well? So the one thing I learned really early or the one really great piece of advice someone gave me was there's no such static thing as a work-life balance. Work-life balance one week to the next is always different because the needs change. Things are not static. One, one week your job might need you to like do a launch, have a executive level meeting or a board meeting or whatever. The next week your kid might desperately need you. So, so you can't look at work-life balance in like every day, every week. You have to look at it over time. Are you doing, are you doing the things you need to do? Right. So I basically got what, what I would do at work is I've done this every, uh, like for a long time, which is I write down like three to five things I want to achieve that week because the noise carries you away if you don't have an agenda. And then I make time for it and I write down three or five things I want to achieve. And it, they're not tactical things, right? Like I don't say I, I, I want to, they're like, I want to, this week I want to spend time with my son helping him with his guitar or listening to him, right? And then I make sure I do enough of those over the course of a month. So you, you become goal-oriented versus time-oriented, right? In a lot of things. And then listen to your body. Like at, at, what I realized at some point, like it's just, if you don't get the rest, your productivity is just going down. So that's like, it's just, it's just, it's always a work in progress. There's no such thing as a work-life balance. It's always a work in progress is, is what I would say. And really, if you're achieving what you want to achieve in each aspect, then you're doing fine, right? The place that I do a really bad job, and this year we are going to change this, it's a New Year's resolution every year, but this year I think I have, have it cracked, is my own health. I just do a terrible job of like the, the walking the, the, or the exercise, the, the, the food, things like that, because that's the things that gets neglected. I don't think that's healthy. So, so that, that's the one place I do a bad job. The other places I love reading and I don't think I read enough except on vacations. That is true. You know, you just reminded me of a couple of things that I need to change this year. <laughs> the, the reading, particularly, and and just taking care of taking care of the health. And you know, we're all also getting older, and that a natural part is the body's natural ability to just fix the crap we throw at it gets more and more impaired. And so, yeah, I, I think on the health side, I've been very careful, of, especially over the last couple of years, because when I started Arta, it's funny. You know, business idea, what we're planning, team. Everybody I would talk to, all our friends, they were like, oh, we've no worries. That'll be fine. You're aiming for a very large space. You guys are good. It'll get done. You need to take care of your health. And I'm like, what are they telling me? Are they telling me like my health is really bad? And then as I spoke to a lot of entrepreneurs, I realized it's true. Like what tends to happen is a startup is all consuming and your health gets thrown away. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to be that st startup guy who like, you know, three years in has, or four years in has significant health issues. So I've, it's, it's one of those things I, I deal with. That list you talked about, that list of five things, is, is that work and personal or it's, it's stuff that you want to achieve in your life? Uh, no, for, it, it's more tactical than that. So like, it's like, 
like I said, this this week I will make sure I spend X amount of time with my son, right? Or like I, I will help my son with guitar, not X amount of time. That's like I want my like my son is stuck here, or like he's stuck in in this subject here, or like we haven't watched a movie together, and this like I will I will do that. Or like in in at work it could be no 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 this week to move the ball forward I need to write a document explaining X Y Z right. Or I need to spend enough time right now. We're going through a visioning session that I need to craft. And I'm like, okay, this week, like, I'm going to have a chunk of time to figure that out. Right. So it's a, it's a list of five across your life. It's a list of five across, five or six across uh, your life. It's, it's about, the goal is to get through three of them. It's five on either side. The goal is to get through three of them, but they're not big enough that you can't get through them. That's such classic Google planning, which is you need to aim for, to get seven out of 10 because otherwise you're not aiming far enough are big enough, but super useful. Thanks for sharing that. I think the feedback we've got from a bunch of our listeners, these tactical small things sometimes are stuff that actually help them a lot and in, you know, in sort of figuring out their own own practices and life. So I want to change tracks a little bit and maybe talk a little bit about money and investing because this is, you know, live long and prosper. So you want to live long and you want to prosper. And so we yeah, starting with one of the money questions, like how did you how do you think about money in your mind? How do you think about like what role do finances play in your life? I mean, in a lot of life, finances play a really important role, right? Like finances means freedom to do more of what you want, right? And it means taking care of like the people you care about. And eventually, if if you are if you're lucky enough taking care of the world and some whether you give back to your school, whatever you do. So I think finances are important. That's how the world works. So, so to say finances are not important is is like, is, I, I think people are fooling themselves in today's world. The role it plays in my life, I think, is more. Look, you you work hard. You want to grow your wealth. You don't you don't want to lose your wealth because of stupidity or not understanding the markets or not understanding investment opportunities and stuff, right? But time is limited. So that's where I think a lot of people end up struggling. So yeah, so I mean, how do you grow, how do you grow your wealth? How do you keep it safe? How do you manage it? Is 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 an important aspect of everyone's lives. How did this philosophy get found in your mind? I mean, in, in your earlier life, like is it something just realized or you know, because at some level you you actually are very confident about finances, which is not how a lot of people you know, uh, in various stages of life are? I think my my dad used to read the Financial Times in India. I would pick up the Financial Times and read it with him. And he would talk a lot about, like he, he like, and I would ask him a bunch of stuff. And he would talk a lot, a lot about like, oh, I'm going to try to invest here and see what happens here. It started off that way. So I, I was always aware of like investing. He he did a lot of property investing or some property investing. When I got to college, going to the I don't want to be unidimensional. I did engineering and I tried to get into the business school, but Michigan didn't allow dual business. So I did economics and took a bunch of classes in the business school. So got exposed to markets, market forces, etc. And then I think when and I think it all kind of clicked when I had my first job. And then like I discovered 401k and investing and that's how you do it and stuff that that's around the time I'm like, okay, 
you actually save and you put away, and but that thing has to grow, and there's infl- inflation, et cetera, run through economics as well. So I think it was a process. There was no aha moment. It's just a process. So it formed gradually over time as you exposed yourself, and it, it ties in with your general philosophy of exposing yourself to different experiences. So do, do you have a current process to think about your finances, your financial planning? And maybe I should extend it because, you know, with your husband, you, you, like most couples tend to do this together. Do you guys have a process, a system? No. And that's because we are in the midst of a couple of changes. Um, I mean, the economy right now is a little bit crazy. So let's be clear, like the economy is crazy. So the system right now is it's less of who do you believe and how do you like it. This is the time to preserve cash. So it is not the time to to spend cash, right? It's more the time to preserve cash. Like it's more the time to preserve wealth. Let me put it that way, is how I think about it. And protect. Uh, yeah. And protect wealth, right? Like it is more the time, like how do you like for the next year or so. Really the system works if there is a system, if I think about it. So my dad, as he stopped working, has decided the markets are his plaything. So he has a lot of information. Okay. So he'll keep like sending me snippets and stuff like that, which is information. And he'll have a lot of, lot of opinions, a lot of which is actually right often. The second is just input from a couple of like financial advisors we've had. But like I said, we're in the midst of a change, give or take. And then just reading up. I don't think we have a systematized process. I think I'd say the the inf- whatever the influence is has changed over time. My brother-in-law is also an investment manager, which helps a tremendous amount, get input, etc. So do you guys, how often do you look at your wealth or what you have? And have you, do you have like you have discussions around financial goals in your life? We used to. We definitely used to. We don't as much anymore. The way I think my husband and I think about it is like, what do we need to do to live like X kind of a life, which is like the life we live today, right? And then how do we get our kid to college and then have a buffer for him? A little bit of a buffer to help him get started. Post that, everything else is gravy, right? So we are getting old enough where like, that, that's fine, right? Like it's, it's, we'll be fine if we keep working for the next 10 years. Now the conversations are more around how do we invest this to preserve and grow it so that we can do more things. Like one of my biggest, one of the biggest things I want to do is go back to India and do something around the schools I went to, right? So now the conversations are more around like, how do we grow and preserve it? What is the environment? Things like that. And then donate it and, and set things up in the in the right way. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're actually, Arda, one of the other things that we haven't done yet, but have been digging a lot into is these donor advice funds and helping people set that up. Because again, we are finding a lot of users, a lot of our members, early members are not just, don't just care about investing, but also care about like uh, how to lead a more purposeful life, right? And using some of this wealth towards towards that. So uh, it's been something that's come up a lot. So in just going back into thinking a little about, you know, the overall investment process, like there's a, there's a part about growing and preserving your wealth. There's also a part about like thinking about your costs and your lifestyles and things like that. Like that's the other side of the equation, right? Is that something that you guys spend time thinking about? Yes. Once like at the end of every year, we are like, okay, where did we spend the money, et cetera, et cetera. More driven by him than me, but that's normal. 
<laughs> it's like uh, he's freaking out about the expenses. I'm not. I'm like, whatever it'll happen, it's fine. <laughs> but we do look at it. And I think you make trade-offs, right? Like, look, I was, I had, when I had left Okta, I was trying to figure out, do I want to start something or do I want to join something, right? And if I'd started something, we would have it, we would have to move to a different cost profile because my husband's in a pre-IPO startup as well. It's not like when he was at Salesforce. So we do look at it, we talk about it, our general very, very, I don't know, I, 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 goal is like you don't, you, you save X percent no matter what your wealth is, and you don't spend more than X percent of your incoming income. And then you have trade-offs, right? Like, I mean, we don't live, I mean, we live a normal Bay Area life. So the income goes to things like, we don't have time, how many times do you order in? Do you find someone to cook for you? It, it's it's things like that that you have to do lifestyle changes on, which, Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask a sensitive question. Thank you for sharing this and feel free to say no. How are you teaching your son about finances and money and expenses? So that's a great question. So we were talking about it two weeks ago where I'm like, let's give you a little bit of money that you can invest in the market. The problem is right now is not the right time to invest and learn. That's number one. I have like, I have, I have discussions that are an hour, hour and a half long on the phone with my dad. Because that is my this is my dad's job now. Like he has made it into his job to understand the markets and like and like in his in his head manage his entire family's money, which is not he's not managing my money, but like there is a lot of free advice. So usually on speaker, my son hears a bunch of it. Like I said, my cousins in 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 private equity talks a lot about it. My my uh, brother in laws in investment management, so he's exposed a lot. This year, actually, very interestingly, we were, he wanted to go to, he's, he's 13 and he wanted to go to a, he wants to go to a camp away to one of the John Hopkins camps. And I gave him a list of stuff and, and we're like, we're not going to do any like math, computer science, because you're exposed to it enough, not pick something from like writing, money management, like any of that stuff. So he's actually going to like the basics of money camp this summer for three weeks. And he's like, if you, will you give me money to invest after so I can play around? And I'm like, yeah, you have enough, you have enough, you earn through your birth, birth this, you can use that. Yeah, your grandparents are giving you enough. Um, <laughs> well, no, that's actually... All the gift cards, all the stuff, I'm like, I'll take those, um, let's change it. That is super interesting. And thanks for sharing that. It's pretty impressive for a 13-year-old to pick like investment and, you know, the markets to think about. I mean, it's quite, quite early, clearly, I think. Your dad's conversations on the phone are having a having an impact on him. Well, it's also the it's also the Bay Area, right? Like, I mean, in your class, there are people whose parents invest and then they talk about it. Like, yeah, Bay Area is weird that way, right? Unfortunately, Bay Area is slightly weird. Yeah, people are so into startups. Is there anything you wish you had known about money or finances, say, 10, 15 years back in your life? I have not super actively managed my money, to be honest. Like, not as actively as I could have. Look, for the longest time, I was, I I had index, I had general index funds, right? I'll index in some combination. And a lot of that came out of like, I took a bunch of courses in business school on like investing because I was trying to see, do I want to go into investing or do I want to go into, go back into tech? So I actually did, my business school was heavier in investing, like courses were heavier in finance than anything else. And a lot of my philosophy was shaped around that, which I think is fine up to a, like, up to a point if you don't have access to the, to the 
the types of opportunities Arta might be able to provide you, right? Like if, if you're just sitting there and you like you're going to go to an investment manager, you might as well like just invest in index funds because their their fees is going to take it away. Arta opens up special vehicles, right? Which is different special opportunities, which is different. Had I known that, I would have sought those opportunities out earlier. They are not as easily accessible to people until you have a certain wealth level, right? And they're not as easily accessible unless you know the right people. Actually, that's that's the reason we start Arta, right? Because we were like, this stuff shouldn't take so much time. We're all busy. Most people want to focus on their careers and their families. Like this part of life, if you can automate and make it much, much easier, it becomes way, way, way simpler. So yeah, thanks so much for covering all that. I wanted to close off with a lightning round of very high level questions. So these will be the sort of fill in the blanks. I'll say a statement and then you can complete it. Uh, okay, here goes. If you want to prosper, never underestimate the power of people, hard work, or people who, who, who will support you, hard work, and just being persistent and not letting things get in your way. Thank you. The three key ingredients of a long, fulfilling life are? Very easily. Family and friends, health, and passion for what you do. The simple joy that adds years to my life. Oh, my son. Just being with my son. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, on that note, yeah, thank you so much. It's really wonderful having you on Live Long and Prosper. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me.